Zechariah chapter 14. First of all, before I get any farther, I do give honor tonight to Brother Robertson. Uh, he is very well respected in DeKalb, and uh, he has been there several times preaching for us, and we have enjoyed his ministry and that of Sister Robertson. Uh, we also enjoy the ministry uh, that he has invested in my family's life, uh, my brother Charles and his wonderful wife, Mana, and their two outstanding kids, Jonathan and Andrea. We are just so thrilled that uh, they have the blessing of that ministry. I can tell you I've been in the church here uh, when the church was in the old building. I preached in the church here uh, many years ago, uh, and I, I can tell what I feel in the house is real. I'm going to believe what you got is real. Amen. Amen. We give honor to his children and his grandchildren. can't believe he's got kids that big. <laughs> Amen. And we, uh, we are praying for them. How many want to see your pastor and your pastor's wife get feeling a little bit better? Amen. So before we go into our text tonight, if you wouldn't mind, and if you do mind, then you probably need to pray through anyway. We're going to pray for him. <laughs> so would you do that? Would you lift your hand? And let's pray for Brother Robertson, Sister Robertson. I know we've prayed in our prayer, but specifically, I want you to ask God to give them peace and healing and strength and deliverance completely, Father, from every way, God, from the top of their head to the toe of their foot. I'm asking, Lord Jesus, for the utterance of God to be upon him. I plead the blood right now, Lord, through the freedom of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I'm asking in Jesus' name, for you might deliver him, God, from this affliction. I'm asking according to your mercy, St. God. I pray that you would touch Sister Robertson, Father. Give her comfort and strength, God. I ask it in your name. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. If you can open your Bibles to Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 7. I give also honor... Uh, to uh, my brother, my brother Charles. Uh, I walked in and I just got quite a nice reception, Brother Charles. Someone shook my hand and smiled real nice to me and asked me where I was from and asked me my name. It was so sweet. Then she found out I was your brother. And uh, she treated me just as nice. <laughs> so we're thankful that you've got a good reputation. Amen. And uh, it looks like you've got a great church family. Aren't you glad for your church family tonight? Amen. Zechariah is the second to last book in the Old Testament. And hopefully you have found that. Chapter 14 and verse 7. It says it this way. But it shall be one day which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. But it shall come to pass that evening, that at evening time it shall be light. Now, this rendering of passage of Scripture has a local application. Uh, Zechariah spoke it to a people who specifically needed a prophetic utterance of God. But as with all prophecy, not only does it have a local application, it does have a significant application to the people of God. And so God included it in the canon of the New Testament, Old Testament 
that we might gain some understanding by how he felt about some things. Tonight, I, I take from this text of Scripture, and I would have a desire tonight to express some things to you that I feel in the Holy Ghost would uh, just, just be important for your future, for your tonight, and for your tomorrow. Would you place your Bible down by your side if you could? Amen. One more time. I enjoy hearing you pray. Amen. It sounds good when everybody. I love to hear the saints of God pray. Somebody in the back lifting up their voice. Someone on my right lifting up their voice. Someone on my left lifting up their voice. Amen. Would you lift up your voice and ask God to speak to everyone that is into the sound of my voice tonight. Heavenly Father, we are a privileged people. We have been bought with a price. We have been sold, Lord Jesus, hallelujah, by the blood of a precious Savior. Lord, you died on a cross and gave us a name that is above every name. I give honor to you, Lord, tonight, and I pray you'd anoint your word and speak to each and every one of us what the Spirit speaks tonight. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. One more time, would you turn around and shake your neighbor's hand, smile real nice, say, you look good. Amen. All right. You may be seated if you'd like. I will tell you on the occasion of this original text that Zechariah wrote these words regarding the experience of, of, of this prophet with the people that were in Israel. But in really, in reality, I see there is a continual rule, an idiom, and a code of conduct that God has for us today. I suggest to you tonight that there are types and shadows in this word evening here that refers to the church, refers to the body of people, and refers to us in times of increased trial, struggle, and battle. I contend to you tonight that the principle that God is teaching in this passage of Scripture is a very powerful one and yet concise. It's strong. And yet it is easy for us to remember. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, even you can remember this. It shall be light at evening time. Come on, turn to the other side and say, it shall be light at evening time. (laughs) You see, God uses things to teach us some very important lessons. God uses weather to relay the concepts of God. In His acts of nature, we can see pictures that God shows us of how He acts and methods and way He deals with us. In fact, as in the very beginning of the creation, He used the creation itself to declare His power and even His Godhead. He states for us in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone. Amen. That believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As is written, the just shall live by faith. Amen. But for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth 
in unrighteousness. That is godly people who once were godly and now they begin to hold truth in unrighteousness or in unrighteous living. People who know truth, amen, should know better, but they hold it in unrighteousness. And God wants to communicate even to those backsliders and those cold in their soul and those who don't do right that simply from the invisible things which they cannot see, there are some clear principles. The Word of God says they're understood by the things that are made. Even God's eternal power and His Godhead so that they are without excuse. There's nobody's going to go to hell and say God didn't reveal a way to be saved. Oh, some of you don't believe that tonight. But I'm telling you that God has put into this world a creation that's so beautiful that testifies of who He is. You don't have to be too smart to look up into the heavens and see the stars in the sky and see all the things we see and know there is a God. If you want to know there is a God, look at your hand. Do you realize in the very making of your hand, it displays an awesome creator? The Bible says they'll be without excuse. In another passage of Scripture, found in Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 9, God uses the cycle of snow and rain. Now, I know some of you have cursed the snow. You say, I wish I was down in Fort Lauderdale. I wish I was somewhere where, you know, somewhere warm like Atlanta. Unfortunately, Atlanta got snow last night from my understanding. And we, we think that the elements that are around us are, are so unpleasant because we have to scrape our windshields and shovel our walks and push snow off of our parking lots. But God uses the rain and the snow to testify of how He illustrates the Word of God is fulfilled in its purpose of our lives. Isaiah 55 and verse 9 says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and snow comes from heaven. Some of you thought it came from somewhere else. It says, snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bought. There is a blessing of God. God sends it forth that it might accomplish something good and might accomplish something wonderful. If you stick around here long enough, come spring you're going to see green grass. You're going to see flowering trees. You're going to see plants are going to thrive because God's got a cycle in what He does. And so God uses nature to teach us. Verse 11, So shall my word be that goeth forth now to my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. God's got a purpose in the word of God. And it's going to prosper whereto I sent it. On another occasion, he likens his coming as being regular and comprehensive and valuable. He says, He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass in Psalm 72 and verse 6 as showers on the water of the earth. And he uses the illustration of natural means 
One writer called this the natural process or the process of nature that teaches us the relevant nature of who God is and what God does and how God acts by the creation in which we live. How many can testify that you have been around nature, whether it be water, rain, or snow, and you can say that it has given you a greater appreciation of God, a greater understanding of God. So much so that there are people today who go out and hug trees and think that's God. (laughs) But I'm not here interested to somehow help somebody's uh, mixed up ideas about environmentalism, but I rather want to talk to you about an unusual verse of Scripture. Because it is opposite of those examples that we have just talked about. You see, up to this point, he uses the natural for us to gain understanding in the supernatural. But in this passage of Scripture, it's the opposite of what we think. I am careful tonight in my opening remarks to tell you that in the first part, he uses nature to say the way nature acts is the way that God acts. But in this verse of Scripture, God renders, Brother Williams, something different. God speaks to us in a way that is opposite of what our natural thought process is. In fact, I will tell you that simply it is a paradox that comes from Zechariah's words that helps our understanding of the way God wants to operate tonight. This passage of Scripture teaches us that there is light. And we understand light. We understand night and day. But the promise of God is more than just what we think we understand. Because in this text of Scripture, God says that He will provide light in evening time. You see, counter to what we all understand, that as we go through our daytime, and you might wake up when the chickens begin to crow, and the school bus uh, operators are operating the local school buses on the county roads, and you might find yourself going throughout your day, uh, and might find that the sun comes out and comes from behind the clouds. But if you stuck around through the day long enough, pretty soon you're going to find out that the sun begins to set and sets its orange hues into the sky and night comes. And you would think I'd be a crazy man tonight if I said it was brighter during the night than it was during the day. Because our natural mind knows that. The youngest one in here, the smallest of children, understand the difference between day and night. We know snow, we know rain, we know sunshine. We know that the promises of God are true and God fulfills His promise. But God runs counter to our thinking in this verse when He says, It's going to be light when it is dark out. Brother, that is a strange thought. Now, if you tell me some things uh, that are counter to my understanding, I might question them. That's like telling a child isn't really interested in what's underneath the tree. 
Now, how many of you found out yesterday that your children were keenly interested in those things you wrapped in colored paper? Anybody find that out to be true? Am I the only one? Hmm. I found out my daughters wanted to know what was in that little box. In fact, I know that there's some natural elements that go on. Their mother likes to know what's in the little boxes. They are shakers and rattlers. So in those Christmas presents, they shake and they rattle trying to figure out what they are. How many of you got a shaker or a rattler in your house and you're willing to admit it? <laughs> you see, we have an understanding that that something special is going to go on. And if we are, are uh, just behave ourselves long enough, we're going to be able to tear off the bow and rip off the package and find out what someone lovingly thought we needed. You really did need those socks and that T-shirt and that tie, they thought. <laughs> and that's natural. It's natural to think that when Brother Adam makes a coconut pie and he's willing to give it to somebody, there'd be somebody say, I'll take that pie. Anybody take a pie from Brother Adam? Brother, I got your next vacation all scheduled here. Just keep the hands up. <laughs> you see, there are things that are natural to our understanding. It's natural to our intuition. Some of you wives know that when your husband starts snooping around the car lot, he starts looking in the magazine or searching on the web. You better look out. He's looking for that new shotgun or he's looking for that new car or he's interested in buying a new computer. How many wives know when your husband's up to something? He said, I can tell. He gets that look in his eye. Sometimes we live by our intuitions and our things we know. But I render to you tonight that this is not the principle that God illustrates to us in this verse. In fact, He illustrates the exact opposite. That counter to what you think is the way God's going to work. Counter to the way the circumstances look. Counter the way the environment is. God's going to provide light in evening time. When it's dark outside, there's going to be a bright light. When it doesn't look like you know the way, He's going to be the way. Now, when I was a child, and uh, we would be enchanted by, by summer. As a kid, it was fun to go outside. As I recall, it's warmth. For those evening walks and sitting on the porch and walking and enjoying a warm summer. This last summer when it was 90-some degrees, some of you wished it was cooler. Well, you got your wish. But I want to remind you tonight on this cold night in December, amen, that there is a, a summer coming that the Lord should tarry. And it will get warm again. And during the summertime as the sun would set, as children we would, we would chase the fireflies and enjoy the lightning bugs uh, and enjoy playing tag in, in the early evening dark. 
What was special about it was because as the darker it got, the harder it was to see your playmates. You could simply hide behind a tree or duck in behind the barn or, or get on the other side of the house because the darker it got, the more in evening it became, the harder it was to see one another, the harder it was to make things out, the harder it was to complete the game. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many like to still play outside when it's dark? Amen. I know all the teenagers lifting up their hands. I've been with some teens. <laughs> and I share with you that there's something totally cool and fun and brings a lot of joy when you pop out of nowhere and say, boo, and they shake like a, like a leaf. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. You see, it's counter to our understanding that in dark times we would have like to see, we, we have this life experience and this whole body of knowledge that simply says, when it gets nighttime out, it's time to go to bed. It's time to shut the lights out. It's time to crawl under the covers. That's why some of you go to bed at 8.30. Can I get a witness? <laughs> some of you look at, the, at some of the older folk and you say, oh, he's talking about them. No, I'm not. I know some of you young folk that get to bed pretty early. I called one of our saints at 8 o'clock at night. She was in bed and her kids were all in bed. I said, what in the world are you doing going to bed at 8 o'clock? She said, well, we were just tired. It was nighttime and we went to bed. You see, we understand that is what happens. I have a friend of mine that pastors up in Alaska in places where the darkness doesn't come for a full uh, a shift of time like we know it. It only comes for a little bit of every day. And so it would be 2 o'clock in the morning and people would be out mowing their lawns. It would be 1 a.m. in the morning and they'd be out painting their houses because light would seem like all day long. But that's opposite of where most of us live. And so God says that he's going to extend the boundaries and overstep what is nature, and he's going to bring forth a surprise, an exhilarating surprise, a joyful surprise, a, a one a surprise that would bring forth confidence. And tonight on this December night, on this last Sunday night of 2010, I remind the church that is in attendance in this place, uh, amen, in the house of God. There shall be light at evening time. The word of God is true. Uh, and let every man be a liar. Uh, every jot and every tittle, every crossing of the T and dotting of the I shall be true. Uh, what's in the word you can believe. Uh, what is written for our understanding you can have confidence in. Uh, I'm telling somebody tonight, it's in the word and you can hold on to it. Uh, you can believe. In it. You can trust in it. It shall be light. Before you walk out of here tonight, I want you to understand that God has provided for you just a little bit of exhilaration and joy. Like finding a $20 bill on the sidewalk on the way out to the car. Uh, amen. Like finding a bonus in your Friday paycheck that you don't have to pay back. Uh, like a call from an old friend uh, on a day when you're feeling sorry and discouraged. Uh, like lifting up of your burden uh, and the trouble you're going through. Uh, amen. Because somebody cared about you. Uh, it shall be light uh, in evening time. Uh, it shall be light uh, in evening time. 
I have pastored long enough over these last 18 years to understand evening has good and bad connotations to it. See, I point out to you that from the church's very existence from the day of Pentecost, we have had days and evenings. From that group of 120 when the fire fell on the day of Pentecost, the church at large has many days and many nights. Amen. There are days of exhilaration and joy and jubilation when 5,000 were saved, not just one. Amen. That received the Holy Ghost. 5,000 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Anybody can believe for 5,000 getting the Holy Ghost in McCormick's Creek Church. Anybody believe that God still gives the Holy Ghost in abundance. Well, that's about ten of us. Oh, anybody believe that God can still pour out 20 people receiving the baptism of the Holy Ghost on a Sunday night? Anybody still believe in a hundred-soul revival that God can pour out the Holy Ghost? Anybody still believe that God knows what He's doing? Oh, I want to put our hands together. Come on. According to your faith, be it unto you. Come on. According to your faith, be it unto you. If you only think God can give one the Holy Ghost, amen, that's all you're going to get. But i got some people tonight who believe in a hundred-soul revival. You may be seated. Listen, those are evening times. If you look back over 2010, I'm surely there's some people here tonight could say you had some some daytime experiences, joyful experiences. I'm just wondering if I could take a poll tonight. Was there anybody in this place healed? In 2010, I just stand to your feet. Just quietly stand to your feet. You're not lying. You're not lying. You're not lying. You lying? You lie, you fry. You you got healed, and you got healed. You got healed. You got healed. All these people got healed. You mean God's still a healer? Anybody still believe in the healer? Anybody still believe that God does good things? Come on, sit down. Now, has anybody here had financial problems that God... Has brought you. Now listen, I don't want everybody to stand just because you think you should stand. If in 2010, God helped you through a financial problem, I want you to stand to your feet. Look at there. God helps us with our money. Aren't you glad God helps us with our money? Aren't you glad God helps us? Hallelujah. Oh, He's the God of the cattle of a thousand hills. He's the God who knows how to bless people. Oh, you may be seated. Now, 
I'm just wondering because, you know, there, I haven't been here all year, so I don't know all the testimonies. But I wonder if there is a mother or a father in this house that can say, in 2010, God did something for my child. I don't know what it might be. It may be for some of them. You, you prayed that teenager would be delivered from its afflictions and somehow be rescued from its, you know, raging hormones. But whatever it is, if you are a parent, I'm not bad on kids. It's all right, kids. You'll be all right. And you have prayed for your child in 2010, and you saw God do something. I wonder if you'd stand to your feet. Look at there. I think a smile ought to come across your face. Hallelujah. I think somebody ought to let a hand lift up to the Lord. I let a tear trickle down a cheek. Oh, hallelujah. Our God is great. Our God is great. What an awesome Savior. What a marvelous God. Now, I could go on. You may be seated. I... I could go on for quite a while. I I can probably point to you some things tonight uh, that the Holy Ghost would speak to me about that uh, you can honestly say that God has just been so good that you just you can't explain it. Uh, he's been so precious to you. Amen. Can the church say amen? Amen. Can all the young people say amen? I'm glad these young people are out, not out in the world tonight. <laughs> Anybody glad that God's so good that they're in the house of God on a Sunday night? <laughs> Woo! I saw some of these kids up running and worshiping, crying in the altar, talking to Jesus. Anybody glad that God smiles on His children? Now, those are daytime experiences. But I would not really be an honest man tonight if I didn't tell you that there were also some times of night, evening time, difficult moments, truly defining moments, because every life has defining crucibles. There are times, if I asked you to stand tonight, when you were completely confused and why you were going through what you were going through. I don't know that anybody felt this way, but maybe in the house of God, there were some people in 2010, you wondered if God hadn't forgotten who you were. Where you walked through a situation that was so horrendous that maybe you struggled with putting a nice Christian smile on your face. And you said to yourself, where is God? I'm not going to ask you to lift your hand. Maybe some of you had relationship difficulties. A husband, a wife, a special friend that busted your heart, destroyed your faith in humanity. You see, the church has always had this roller coaster, light and night, day and evening, good things and bad things, uh, 
5,000, 3,000, and then persecution. James loses his head, and Peter goes to prison. Peter would be delivered, and back and forth it goes. And I would be, be honest in saying that sometimes when things go south, it's easy to believe they're going to continue and go south. That's why some of you trade your cars. <laughs> you say, oh, the transmission is going pretty soon. Tires are going to blow up, and I, I better get rid of my car. I've had this problem and that problem in my life. I better get rid of my wife. I better get rid of my husband. I better quit going to church because you've had some kind of problem and you think the problem's going to keep on going. But I have a word from the Lord for you tonight. Amen. That's going to be light and evening time. When it seems like things are dark and you don't know which way to go. There is a God who knows how to give you good things. There is a God who knows how to deliver and bring forth joy. Who brings forth out of Sorrow, peace. I I have a friend who sometimes gets a little discouraged at soul winning and wonders, will anybody ever receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost? I want to take your picture. I'm going to send it to him. <laughs> Tell him people are still receiving the Holy Ghost. People are still being healed. You see, even John the Baptist got to the place said, Are you the Messiah or shall we look for another? He got so discouraged at the night time that he was willing to choose that, is, that Jesus really wasn't the Messiah. But can I tell you, God's still pouring out the Holy Ghost. Amen. Just a little while, a few weeks ago, a little over a month and a half in Madagascar, they had over 2,234 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost in a three-day meeting. Oh, somebody ought to clap their hands. Oh, come on. What a God. What a God. I could go on tonight, and I don't want to lengthen this sermon, but I could go on a number of amazing testimonies. I have a friend that was preaching in India, and the very first night he was preaching. India is a place of, of millions of gods. They're told that anything you want to be your God, you get to make, and... So going there, you have to understand, there is a tremendous spiritual oppression in India. And so he's getting ready to start a three-day meeting, Brother Williams. And as he's standing, they're getting ready to start the service. They had throngs of people that were close on that platform that they had rented with a big giant field. There were close to 9,000 people who had come out to this meeting to hear these apostolics preach about something called the Holy Ghost, about miracles and about God's power. When a woman came up and stood right at the very edge of the platform, she was about almost five foot eight inches tall. And as she was there, Brother Williams, all of a sudden, they're getting ready to start. He looks over this woman, levitates her body, almost straight out, laying on the platform, sticking her legs straight out from the platform, slithers across the pulpit, uh, uh,
platform right to where the feet of where my friend is standing. She lifts up her head and she sneers at him and said, Why have you come to torment us? Well, that's a nice way to start church. I mean, if you don't have enough Holy Ghost, you just, I'm telling you. He looked down at her. He said, Devil, I don't know where you came from, but I'm telling you this. We've come to have revival. And I command you in the name of Jesus, by the blood of Jesus Christ, for you to leave that woman and go back from where you came. And the Spirit tore the woman. Amen. And she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost right there before the very first song was played. Oh, I'm telling you, yes, it's dark, but it's also light at evening time. By his estimates, he said they were conservatively speaking, not counting the miracles. They had close uh, to over 2,000 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, God is so good. You see, we're living a day when skeptics and cynical and the unbelieving point to the, the darkness of the night. And they wonder, how is the church going to react in the evening time? Is the church going to accept the darkness of our day? Paul warned us in First, Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 that this time, the last times, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, uh, boasters, proud, these, these disobedient to parents, unthankful and holy, who are without natural affection, uh, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, uh, fierce, uh, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heavy-minded, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. You run into your neighbor lately? You run into someone like that? Are we living in these kind of days? Anybody notice that the culture in which we're living in is perilous? You see, it is evening time. We do have to deal with such things. But I want you to notice uh, that the Lord wanted the church to know something. That no matter how dark the night got, uh, no matter how bad things were, uh, there would still be light uh, in evening time. Uh, it's going to run counter to your thinking. Uh, there's going to be blessing. Uh, there's going to be miracle. Uh, there's going to be sign. Uh, there's going to be wonder. And I, I point to this and I quickly move from this particular area of our uh, thoughts tonight. But... If you look at one segment of the church, like looking at a tide, you see there's an ebb and flow to tide. The water comes in, the water goes out. If you look at the wrong part of the day, you'll discover that when the water comes in, it covers all the ugliness. It washes over all the, the, uh, the, 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 the debauchery and the things that are all dirty and filthy. 
But if you look at another part of the day, the water recedes and comes back uh, and reveals the, 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 the ugly and, the, and the, that which we do not we, I want to see. And it, 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 it explodes uh, with all kinds of things that, that we would rather have covered. Uh, and that is what is happening in our day with the church. At different moments you look at her and you'll see all the glorious revival. But in other moments, you look at her, and you see her pimples and her imperfection. And if you're not careful, you can surmise and say about God's church that that which is, is happening is not good, and God's church is, is disheartened and is not serving the Lord with desire. But I come to this pulpit tonight to tell you that you're looking at the wrong part of the church and the wrong time of the church. You see, if you consider every false prophet that rises, uh, that, that, that arises, there are many more people today who are going to stand up for truth. Well, I'm going to say it anyway. I'm telling you there are people that, amen, that they walk out on God and they say that the truth of God is... It was something we should hold on to. We don't need to be baptized in Jesus' name. We don't need to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. But there are some young men, amen, for everyone that leaves, that are to come out, amen, say, I'm going to preach this thing. I'm going to teach this thing. I'm going to believe this thing. Amen, you let them leave, but I'm going to take their place. I'm going to preach love. I'm going to preach the Word of God. Oh, yeah, it may be evening time, but there's light. Oh, we have some backsliders who say the church is full of nothing but hypocrites. We sure do have a few folk around this place who believe in the love of God, who believe in living a real life, who believe in a God who knows how to touch our lives. Anybody touched by the love of God in your heart? Anybody can say that God has blessed your life? God's filled you with rich things? There are Balaamites out there. Balaamite is someone who, who fashions the church to be what they want it to be. They don't like holiness, so they want a church that won't preach holiness. But thank God there's some churches that still stand for truth. Hello? Come on, you're not going to get to heaven without holiness. You're not going to see the other side unless you have a love for God. Amen. Love for holiness is a love for His Word. Oh, come on, put your hands together. How many believe that tonight? Oh, tonight, I, I, you know, we could take the time, but I'm not going to. But we could take the time to say that for every member of your family that struggles whether God is real or not, amen, that you're going to still stand and stay, stay the test of time and say God is just as true, God is just as wonderful, God is just as precious. Uh, anybody believe that with me tonight? Uh, amen. For everybody that gets sick in their body, amen, I talked to your pastor this afternoon. You know what he told me? He was sick in his body, but he still said, but I believe in healing. Uh, amen. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter whether you're sick or not. Do you still believe in healing? Uh, do you still believe in deliverance? Uh, do you still believe in giving your tithe to God? Uh, do you still believe in walking with God. Come into the house of God. Oh, I, I know there are people tonight. It's evening time for them. But there's a torch 
that burns bright of people who still believe. Amen. On this fine December night. You see, there are some people on this December night who think that people don't want to be baptized in the only saving name of Jesus. But I'm here to tell you, hallelujah, there might be someone here tonight, you've never been baptized in Jesus' name. But tonight you can take on the name that will get you to heaven. Amen. You believe in a name that said, you know what, I'm convinced. Amen. The Word of God is true. That's the only way you're going to be saved. That's the only way you're going to be saved. Amen. I need an amen in the house of the Lord. You see, we are living in a generation that simply, if we're not careful, our cynicism and our dark thoughts and our discouragements will have greater voice than the Word of God. So God wrote down in the pages of history a little verse of Scripture to remind you tonight on this December night uh, that no matter how dark it is outside, uh, it will be light. Uh, there still will be a light. Uh, there still will be truth. Uh. Now, I'm going to conclude with some very brief ideas because I've already probably preached too long for some of you. First of all, we've always had darkness. In case you didn't know it, there's always been light and dark. Before this world was, this earth was filled with darkness. Darkness isn't an opposing force to light. Darkness is the absence of light. Wherever light doesn't find its way, there is darkness. What makes it dark is that there is no light. Physicists tell us that simply when light enters a room, that's when the darkness must be chased away. Well, I knew that. I found in the book of John. It says darkness comprehended it not. Darkness could not overwhelm the light. Secondly, I would point out to you that it was God himself who divided light and dark. He was the one that simply said in doing so, he would be able to create substance where there was no substance. He provided light when the earth didn't have resources. And he separated the light from the dark. And so darkness will never, look over your neighbor and say never, will never overwhelm the light. The principle is very clear. I could read into you the body of Scripture, but let me just put to you the verse in John chapter 1 that simply uh, very much summarizes my thought process here. It says, But as many as received Him, to them gave He power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. If you've been born of God, dear children, you can understand the powers in the light, the strengths in the light, the strength is in the name. You got a trouble? You got a problem? You got a discouragement? You feel the edging, closing in, darkness? Talk to a lady in a hospital who's discovering that she was dealing with depression. One out of three women deal with depression. One out of four men deal with depression. We're living a day when depression, the spirit that is pervading even the apostolic church. 
And I'm telling you that when that thing closes in, this particular person said, it's almost like I was in a dark room and all the light left. I can tell you, amen, Jesus Christ is the one who can chase depression out of your life. Jesus Christ is the one. Oh, I know you can be with me for a little while tonight on this one. I'm telling you that if you're depressed tonight, what you need is Jesus. If you're struggling with some things tonight, what you need is Jesus. He can lift your burden. He can carry the load. He can take you to great places. And out of His well, there is joy, unspeakable and full of glory. You see, the power comes when you believe in the name. How many believe in the name tonight? Would you stand to your feet? Now, I don't want you to leave. Eventually, I do, because we're going to have to feed you, and that's a lot of people to feed. (laughs) Would you come down to the altar? If you're in a physical state where you can't stand long, would you come down and sit on the first pew? But would you all come down to the altar? While you're coming, I remind you of something else you know. The God of this world always leaves people in darkness. He wants your marriage to fail. He wants you to think your children are going to backslide. God of this world wants you to be so captured in darkness that there is no light. Very clearly, the Bible says that the God of this world, in 2 Corinthians 4, He's blinded the minds. Notice what He said. He blinded their minds. He didn't blind their eyes. He blinded their minds. You see, I've not, Brother Williams, preached a message tonight to make people jump from the chandeliers. I preached a message that you could put in your mind. That when you get up tomorrow, you can remember there's going to be light in evening time. You see, the struggles you have in living for the Lord friend is uh there's so much it's a battle for your mind you go to work and all you can think about is your problem you go through life and the things you are struggling with are so overwhelming to you you forget about the good stuff got that problem that's so intense in your brain All you're doing is you're thinking about it. You walk by your lovely wife and your beautiful children and your lovely home and the food in your cupboard. And you crawl in your bed and you cry. Because the devil blinds your mind. Well, he doesn't want your mind to be blinded. He wants your mind to see. There's going to be light at evening time. Your children are not going to fail. Your marriage is not going to fall apart. 
if you're just with the Lord, it's going to be a good thing serving God. You see, the evening time tells us statistics. One out of three marriages fail. But what they don't tell you is that if both church, both couples, the man and the wife, are in a religious experience of some sort, one out of 50 divorce. Did you know that? No, you didn't. Because he's blinded your mind. He doesn't want you to know that. He doesn't want you to know you keep your wife in your church and your husband in the church. And you start living for God. And guess what? You're going to make it to the ripe old age. You're going to see somebody who's going to have a strong marriage and love God. He wants your mind to be blinded that that co-worker is not going to be saved. Your boss is not going to be saved. Your neighbor doesn't want truth. I come tonight to shine a flashlight into your night. And tell you it shall be light in evening time. You see, as we believe in the light, that's where the power is. When you believe in the light, that's where you get the power. Even them that believe on His name. Anybody believe in the name tonight? How about closing your eyes? Oh, you have some problems you're going back to on Monday. Oh, there's some trouble. Sure, there are bills that are stacked up on the desk when you get home. Oh, but I want to tell you in your evening, don't forget God said, I'm sending light. Oh, if you just close your eyes, you're going to find the peace of God. You're going to find the love of God. You're going to find the joy of God. I wish some young person would believe that the only way is to live for God with all your heart. There's nothing in this world worth living for the devil. Oh, the devil says that it would be so much better for you if you backslid. What a liar. What a father of lies. I wish somebody would get so in love with Jesus tonight. You feel His love and mercy. Feel His goodness. God's sending light. And when light enters a room, darkness is chased away. Start believing. Can you see your mama being saved? Can you see your daddy being saved? The Scripture says He came unto His own and His own received Him not. He talked their language and they didn't think He could do it. But as many as received Him, to them, stand in this altar. Oh, I think there's a young man here who's going to believe Jesus. I feel like there's a young couple over here You've been fighting devils, and it seems like everything's coming against you. But Jesus sent you an answer tonight. A surprise. i got something special to tell you.
that shall be light. Daytime's coming. Weeping endures for the night. The joy comes in the morning. I'm finished. But I'm wondering if God's just getting started. I wonder somebody before you go home tonight, if you just take a few moments to talk to the Lord about your life. It's the last Sunday night of 2011. 10. 2011 is getting ready to open the door. I wonder if somebody thinks talking with Jesus is so important. You won't take a few moments. You see, in your heart you believe, but let your mouth confess. There shall be light in evening time. Talk to Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Come on. There's a beautiful Spirit of God here. Spirit of strength. Spirit of encouragement. Spirit of blessing. You can leave with joy in your heart.